Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm your host, Andrew Davidson, based in New York. And today we're going to be talking about the metaverse, a word that exploded as a search term on Google in October of last year after Facebook changed its name to Meta, but has been around for a while and generally refers to the concept, and I stress the word concept, of a three-dimensional virtual world where humans can interact. We're going to sort through some of the hype, break down what it really means right now for consumers and brands, and we will discuss how we should think about the metaverse in the medium and long term. This is a global trend, and joining me to discuss this topic, I'm delighted to welcome a truly international panel of consumer experts. We have Thomas Slide from London, Fiona O'Donnell in Chicago, and Joey Kong from Kuala Lumpur. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. All right, so please introduce yourselves. I'm uh, Thomas Slide. I'm Category Director of Media and Technology in the UK. I've been at Mintel for approaching seven years, and part of my role is writing Mintel's digital trends reports, of which we um, we, we talk a lot about the metaverse and uh, its associated um, topics, things like NFTs and crypto and that sort of thing. So uh, it's something I talk about all the time, it seems, at the moment. Hi, I'm Fiona O'Donnell. I'm a senior director of tech, media, leisure and entertainment in the United States. Um, I've been with Mattel for coming up on close to 15 years, and I cover a lot of different topics. And similar to Thomas, uh, some of the areas that I'm involved in also include gaming. Uh, so we're talking a lot about what's going on with the gaming world. And of course, um, Metaverse pops up quite a bit in those conversations. Also sports, leisure. Uh, so the conversation about metaverse is just ongoing and coming from all directions. So this is a topic that we're digging into quite deeply. It's great to be here. Thanks, Andrew. And hello, I'm Joey. I am Mintel Consumer Trends Analyst for Southeast Asia. In my role, I've been really lucky you know, that I get to observe and think about all these interesting innovations that are happening in our region and really connect them with consumer needs. So yeah, I'm happy to be here as well, talk about the metaverse. Great, well, it's really uh, great to have you all. So let's consider the metaverse from a short, medium and long-term perspective. And uh, let's go uh, to the beginning. Uh, when we start thinking about virtual worlds, our minds go to the movies. In the 1982 sci-fi thriller Tron, the main character played by Jeff Bridges is transported inside a computer where he interacts with the program. So the idea of a virtual world has existed in our imaginations, at least, for, for years. Where are we with the metaverse and how did we get here? Um, yes, I think... I- as you say, the, the idea of alternative digital worlds has been around for, for, for decades, um, certainly in, in science fiction. I think I'm right in saying the, the word metaverse was, was, was invented for a book which I think was published in 1992. So we're not talking about an idea that has just emerged from nowhere. Um, and I think over those sort of late decades, as technology has grown, the possibilities around making this the, the idea of a metaverse more kind of real, if that's the right word, um, has has grown. And we've kind of been through waves of hype with it. So um, if you look back to the kind of early, mid-2000s, you had things like Second Life, which became, it was sort of talked about a lot, and there was lots of hype, and that kind of uh, d- disappeared in that sort of... Um, so early 2010s or, or still kind of going but 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 the hype certainly sort of disappeared around it um, and then we've seen more recently kind of gaming universes things like minecraft roblox fortnite these kind of big uh, gaming spaces where you can kind of be creative within that that kind of digital world emerge um, and now i think we're in a new hype wave as you mentioned andrew obviously the, the search terms from a consumer perspective really blew up when um Mark Zuckerberg decided to change the name of the Facebook, Facebook's parent company to um, from Facebook to Meta to kind of indicate how much they see the idea of Metaverse as as kind of being the future of the the way we access the internet and the way we interact with each other. Um, and I think there's you know right now we're seeing technology kind of reach a point where there's more possibilities. You start to see what's what's kind of possible. Things like blockchain is allowing more of some digital scarcity, which allows kind of economic um, kind of underpinnings um, for for a lot of these things around NFTs and cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, and, and so that's why there's a lot of hype around it at the moment. So companies investing a lot of money in it. But I think it's just worth noting the definition of a metaverse is very hard to pin down. It's a very nebulous concept and there's lots of very competing visions.
definitions of what it is. Um, it's not really clear whether we're talking about a metaverse or lots of metaverses um, or how they will interact or how people will even access them. So it's quite a fun conversation because it's very much, um, it's quite a conceptual conversation, I think, at, at this stage. Well, yeah, it, it doesn't actually exist right now, right? So why are we talking about it now? Is it just, is it really because of Facebook? I mean, what's new? I think what's interesting about it is that, as you said, you know, we've, we've heard about this idea of the metaverse in the 80s and the 90s. And all the fans of those science fiction um, movies and literature are, are in the workforce and they are, they are creating the metaverse you know, from, from this inspiration that they got when they were younger. And I think we're talking about the metaverse now because all the indicators are showing that the building belongs to the metaverse, as Thomas mentioned, you know, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, um, being able to pin value to things digitally. All these little building blocks um, paired with consumers' extreme reliance on digital technology for entertainment and productivity. All these things are showing us that there, there is that consumer desire for this metaverse space and this consumer awareness and interest towards it too. And as we've, we've seen with, with Meta and, and their efforts in hiring and recruiting a huge team to create a metaverse, you know, it feels like the technology is at a point where the metaverse will be a possible future in, in, a, in a couple of years. I'd agree with that. Um, I think that you know, when Joey's talking about how it used to be sci-fi, now these ideas are possibilities, not just pretend imagination worlds. So it's not just consumers who are interested and would like to you know, try something out like this, but um, companies are really believing that it's possible. Otherwise, they wouldn't be investing you know, tens of billions of dollars into you know, just fun ideas. Um, so it's not just that you know, Facebook changed its name to Meta, but so much money is funneling into it that I think that's where, why are we talking about it now? Because there's a belief that it will actually come to be. Um, and I also think about when uh, we're talking about the hype behind it, you know, where are we in this whole hype area? And I, I don't know if you're familiar with this wonderful chart that uh, Gartner Research puts out, it's the Emerging Technologies Hype Curve our hype cycle. And I think of where we are right now, though, is we don't know what this metaverse will be. So it's just all concept and is like the best of your imagination. You know, you're thinking about what it could possibly be. And so we are at what they wonderfully call the peak of inflated expectations. Um, because we had our, we had our, um, our trigger of innovation, which we could think of that as maybe not, I wouldn't say it's Facebook rebranding to meta, but that really raised interest and that brought awareness to consumers. Um, but we also have to think about where we've been for the last two years, and that's kind of been locked down and living digital lives. And we've been doing it through two-dimensional screens. And we've learned to adapt to that, but we want it to be a little bit better. So we've had our innovation trigger. We're at the peak of inflated expectations. So, of course, what happens next? The trough of disillusionment. So we're going to put it down in what our beliefs will be because companies are racing to try to figure out what the metaverse is. And some are, there's going to be some stumbling blocks along the way. So all these wonderful notions of interacting in a 3D world um, and the things that we grew up with for, in science fiction probably won't quite make it to the real metaverse in the first couple of years, but eventually we'll plateau out, we'll raise, uh, you know, things will get better. And I think that it will become a really fantastic place for our consumers to interact and create and just really change the way that we uh, do things from leisure, entertainment, work, study. So that's pretty far out, though. I'd say that's a good five to ten years minimum from now. All right, so, but what about uh, consumers then? Do what do they think of the metaverse? Do, do consumers actually need a metaverse? No, consumers don't need the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. At, well, you have to think about it. Um, digital lives and online. Back in the '90s, when the internet first came out, um, no one needed the internet. We had maps. We had uh, we had the yellow pages. So. There's no need for it, but we quickly adapted to it and it became a need. Uh, so right now, there's no need for it. It doesn't replace anything that we currently use. Um, it's a concept, but I think people are interested. They'd like to explore it. But at the same time, they don't know what it is because it doesn't exist. So we actually conducted some consumer research in the U.S. at the beginning of the year when everyone was talking about Metaverse. And about 40% of adults said that they had heard of the metaverse and knew either a lot about it or a little about it. And I think that's somewhat inflated. If they knew a little bit about it, it's probably because they had heard you know, about the rebranding to meta. Um, so I think that awareness is strong, but knowledge is weak. Uh, so as 
different companies build their metaverses and we see more brand doing activations in a 3D world, um, I think awareness will increase and people will become even more curious. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd completely agree with that. And your first phrase, I would agree. Do, do consumers need it? No, not at all. And, and I think the thing, the stage we're at now as well, I would say is that the, the brands are creating the kind of underpinnings of the metaverse. So what we're seeing is things emerge, which are kind of, that, that it's the sort of framework, the structure of what it could be. Um, and so you're right, cons- you know, consumers are interested in the idea kind of as a novelty, almost as we are talking about it, because it's, it's something interesting, it's different, and it's, it's got potential. But really, the thing about the metaverse that's going to, no one's going to use it beyond the novelty until it can produce kind of real use cases. And that's going to be people going in and, you know, brands and companies going in and actually building in this digital spaces which have been created and actually providing genuine use cases that are more than just a novelty um you know that 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 allow that that make things better and and we saw the internet as a good example where it was invented in you know the 90s but on its own there's no purpose to it until we start seeing companies come up with ideas of ways of using it um you know, online retail and then social media and, you know, all these ideas. And it's that which got people in. And I think it's the same with the metaverse, you know, until, until these other this new wave of companies come in and create good use cases, um, then the answer is no, consumers don't need it. But there is potential to persuade them that they do um, in the future. And I offer a different... Please go ahead, yeah. There are some consumers that do need the metaverse. It just isn't created to a level that it's, it's usable by everyone yet. Um, my example, my, my reasoning for this is that if, have you guys heard of NFT, um, sorry, play to earn games, which are essentially games where you, where you can build characters and own them as NFTs. You develop them, you make them stronger and you sell them for money or you use those characters in game to, to earn coins and, and make money. So in the Philippines, actually, there, there are a lot of people who are, quitting their jobs to play these games to earn money. So there are needs for the metaverse you know, in places with job scarcity, in places where perhaps, you know, in a situation like the pandemic that we recently, we're still going through in different stages, right? But in places that are worse off from the pandemic, um, losing more jobs, losing more, um, having more restrictions to their freedom of movement and travel, you know, there is a need for consumers who aren't able to connect with their families or friends who are back home across the world. And if there was a metaverse at the, at the standard or level that we have in our head from all the sci-fi movies that we imagine where consumers can, can access different parts of the world from their homes, there is, I, I do strongly believe that there is a need for that. And, and yeah, you know, all the, all the literature and, and content and novels that we have on the metaverse, like, like Snow Crash that Thomas mentioned, or like Ready Player One, they're all set in a sort of dystopian time where, you know, the earth is in shambles and there's pandemics striking every part of the globe. And I guess it depends on your view of the future as well. You know, how soon will more people need the metaverse? I think that might be a, a different way to look at it. This conversation reminds me of that famous Henry Ford quote. If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And of course, look what happened there. But anyway, we're early, uh, early, early days of this. Of course, I was I was really interested recently um, about Meta. And you you all mentioned Meta. And they recently disclosed the, the Reality Labs division, which actually makes the virtual reality goggles and the glasses that they've just uh, been selling, um, as well as other products for the metaverse. They lost more than $10 billion in 2021 as they were building the business. In other words, they spent $10 billion on metaverse-related um stuff. And for context, that's 10 times the amount that Facebook paid for Instagram in 2012. I also was reading that more than 10 million virtual reality headsets have been sold. So is the hype surrounding the metaverse real? These are real dollars. Well, if you're talking about the the hype around the metaverse, exactly, I can't say it's real yet because, you know, a true metaverse hasn't been created. But if you look at all the, the building blocks, as I like to call it, of the metaverse, like cryptocurrencies, NFTs and open world gaming. You know, the hype is real, especially in Southeast Asia, where we have, you know, some countries with the highest ownerships of NFTs. I believe that's Vietnam and Philippines in the world right now, thanks to the play to earn games that I mentioned earlier. And many consumers in Indonesia, Singapore, and Malaysia are 
extremely interested in concepts like cryptocurrencies as alternative investments. And just a couple of days ago, I stopped by a gaming store and I noticed a, a very regular looking family purchasing two VR headsets. So I do think in Southeast Asia, at least, there is a lot of interest in the metaverse, real interest that you can see today. I would agree with you. Um, I was just looking over some information I had about Facebook and Meta and how they invested so much into their labs division. Um, and there's an estimation about the number of Oculus headsets that were sold over the hol- winter holiday period that they outsold um, Microsoft Xbox gaming console. So I think that with the VR headset, it's been out there for years, but it needs to be improved. Um, it's heavy, it's clunky. A lot of people can't wear it for too long, otherwise it gets to be annoying. Um, but given that there is such strong interest and strong sales, um, I, I do think it's real. Now, another aspect, and I know Facebook is not the most uh, popular brand across the globe, but in the United States and Canada, it's still quite a um, popular social media network, or at least Meta. And they just released um, their beta version of their new MetaQuest Horizon Worlds. That was last year, and they started off like allowing people to join this uh, 3D metaverse kind of precursor back in December. And so they already have about 300,000 users. So we are right at the very beginning to see whether or not it will take off. It's um, still very early stages, but I would say just based on response to this new VR world that they're building, that uh, the headset sales, they're, they're trying to create their own metaverse, of course, I think, because um, they want, they, I think they want to own it. I think they want to be able to invite other folks into what they're creating. But I would say, yeah, the hype is real and it's underway right now. Approached about the, the hype, I think the question of is the hype real? Um, yes, clearly there's lots and lots of hype around it. There's lots of talk about it. I think the question at the moment is the hype is should be is the hype justified for what's going to come down to come down the line? Um, I'm, I, you know, I think I totally agree with what both of you said that you know there's potentials here, and but I, you know, I think a lot of the the arguments and the cases that are there at the moment remain fairly. Um, not niche, but fairly at the moment it's kind of where where the current interest lies is often around kind of gaming. And there is this element around kind of generating um, kind of economies in, in NFTs and generating those kind of play to, to earn games. But I still feel like that's, you know, in terms of the level of hype and the level of investment that some of these companies are putting in, for that to really pay off, this has to become something which is bigger than than kind of gaming. It has to be, a, it has to basically replace the internet as the way in which we interact and the way that we, you know, this has got to be the future of everything. If it remains in these kind of segments, then then obviously this this is an investment they're going to struggle to get back. I understand at the moment that, that Meta are, um, you know, that the Quest headsets are, are obviously sold, are subsidized heavily in the way they're selling them, which I think just tells you everything you need to know about that they see that they need to lay down this investment now, this capital expenditure in order to create and and, and as Fiona says, to kind of lay down their marker for this future space that they see it being so important and kind of transformational kind of for, for society on a much bigger scale than, than anything at the moment. The moment. We're still seeing it very much kind of bits here, bits there, bits there. But it's when it all comes together um, and we can interact with these different worlds and everyone starts getting on it, that's when it's going to pay off. And that's when the hype, that's when we can tell whether the hype will be justified. Yeah. and that we're still a long way from that point but everyone knows that that's yeah true. yeah that's a really interesting point uh, so it's interesting so given this uh, you know fiona talks about the life cycle of this then so if you're a brand you know what should you do if you if you're thinking about this short-term horizon let's take a short-term horizon say that's the next two years uh what should brands be doing right now when it comes to the metaverse yeah, so I think like for right now it's difficult because it's all so much in its infancy and there's a diff- there's different ways in which brands can kind of get involved. And at the moment, a lot of it, particularly from the bigger brands, is going to be around advertising and marketing. So people are entering these spaces and experimenting and particularly around um, around things like gaming. Um, you know, there, there's just as there is in sports in the real world, there's plenty of opportunity for sponsorship and advertising and getting your name into these spaces. Um, esports is a, is a great example. Um, I read recently that, that HSBC Bank in the UK has, has created its own um and a digital space um, which is going to host games and events which kind of is like the digital version of of sponsoring a you know a sports stadium i guess um and it's just mm. getting your name out and getting your name attached to those things i think in the short term um 
you know, it's about brands understanding how their how their brand sits in this world in terms of of getting the name out there and using it as, as promotion advertising. At the moment, I think unless you're a gaming brand or, or you know, there's not that much practical stuff you can do in this space at the moment. But you two might disagree with me. <laughs> Perhaps on that, I'm not sure. Well, I was trying to think across different categories, and is you know, back to the initial question: um, Is there a need for the metaverse? And so. Um, right now, I think I was kind of thinking I was being funny and like, what do brands need to do right now? And it's, you know, how much can they afford to lose? But I said, oh, no, how much can they afford to risk to get into the, um, this area? So I was looking around to see what brands had been up to and, um, you know, what sectors made sense. And I think as a brand, you really need to understand, like, what value you might bring to consumers in a conceptual 3D world. Um, I know we'd had a conversation a conversation earlier, Thomas, where you'd mentioned, you know, food service. What what are they doing in the metaverse? If the whole, you know, concept of their brand, the whole point of it is eating, you can't translate that into the metaverse. So um, what, what sectors do make sense? And I think from a retail perspective, um, there's so much e- e-commerce has just exploded. People are happy and willing to shop online, but it's still not very satisfying. Um, the tactile experience of being in store and being able to try things on is lacking in our current um, e-commerce platforms. But I know that there are some, you know, mall companies, uh, real estate developers who are looking at building, you know, shopping centers in the virtual world. So that could be um, an area that brands need to keep an eye on at least. So, Let's say if you're a retailer or a brand or a leisure center, you really need to be paying attention to what's happening in the metaverse among your competitors. And I would say also be prepared to evolve. Be prepared to change the way that you do business just um, based on the observations of what's happening because you know it's coming and uh, brands that don't evolve and um, have a presence and understand where consumers are, they're, they're going to disappear. So right now, it's kind of keeping an eye on things. Um, and determining whether or not your brand has a fit for a 3D virtual uh, reality. If it doesn't, maybe uh, maybe you need to develop something that would that belongs there, but it's not for everyone, I don't think. Not for every brand. Um, I would also say that brands that are focused on youth or expanding their audience to youth consumers, uh, young adults, they really need to be paying closer attention to this. So maybe AARP doesn't need to be worrying so much about the metaverse, but I think that... Um, you know, to your point about sports leagues, um, some of our top sports in the U.S. are having an aging audience. And so getting into the metaverse to do advertisements to reach out to a new, younger group of consumers, I think that makes a lot of sense. I really agree with what you both, you both have said. And I do think that, I think we all agree that there is still some time and brands can you know, take a breather and really think about what they're doing, you know, what they want to do in, in this metaverse space. You know, there's no rush. I, I think... What's best right now is to is to look at all the brands who are who are making moves in the metaverse. You know, think fashion, think gaming, as as you've mentioned. Um, and yeah, you know what what is it about these things that really appeal to the consumer? What is it about the idea of being to wear this um, elaborate outfit that's not bound by gravity, for example? You know, or or that ability to connect with new new players in this game from strangers from anywhere around the world. Understanding the human needs that, that these currently available technologies uh, are solving, I think that's a good start because I do believe that the gamers of today and the, the fashion enthusiasts of today will also be the same people who are interested in the digital space, the digital gaming space. And but yeah, but even for right now, you know, I do really think that there are things that can already be done in the metaverse if your brand truly has a purpose set. Um, I read recently that what's one of the most popular things in Decentraland, which is an American metaverse that's quite popular, is actually their casino. It, it counts for 30% of all current humans using avatars in the metaverse, in the Decentraland metaverse. That's a clear consumer need there and it's solving consumer need. Another thing that I think is really interesting that brands can do right now is what Boeing is planning to do. Boeing, the, the airplane manufacturers, you know, they are they're using the metaverse and the virtual reality as a space for them to, to test new designs for their aircraft and see how it works with real world laws of physics. And you know, you're saving money, you're saving um, material, you're, 
you're protecting many lives and so on. And so there is these possibilities of things that can be done in the metaverse today. But for for the for the everyday household brands, I think now's a good time to support things that exist in real life currently. If you if you wanna if you think you want to get into fashion in the metaverse, collaborate with local fashion brands now. You know, see what sort of consumer needs your brand can address in this space or in gaming, you know, collaborate with gaming companies. There, there are tons of little, um, you don't have to look internationally for this. You know, there are metaverse companies, tech companies, gaming companies, local brands within your own market that you can collaborate with and understand the local culture surrounding these, these little so-called niche subgroups. I think that'll be very important looking into the future. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so interesting. And I, I know uh, Thomas mentioned HSBC, but here in the United States, like Chase actually created a, a branch, a bank branch in the metaverse. I still haven't quite got my head around that, you know, as if I really would want to go and visit uh, a bank branch and, you know, queue up virtually uh, to, uh, <laughs> to in the bank branch. But it's obviously the point is it's about exploration and to some of the things that you're saying here, it's about testing things out. Obviously, they're going to get some good... PR around that as it gets them the reputation of being you know innovative but, uh, but testing things out just seeing what works trying to identify what the opportunity actually might be yeah, can I just, to put on that point about the brands I think what's really interesting at the moment is where brands are testing these ideas out I find it quite strange to, and I suppose it's because of the stage we're at but so many of it's about recreating the physical space digitally and like that's a great example with like we've created a bank branch in the metaverse and but yeah why why recreate it you know a bank branch is, <laughs> is limited by the fact that you know it needs to be in a physical space and it's got walls and it's got gravity you don't need any of that in the metaverse literally the whole point of the metaverse is that you don't need that you know you can just take out the services that, but you can imagine going and meeting a you know mortgage advisor or a financial consultant you could go and have that discussion you know in the metaverse and that could be a much but we need to you know, until we start thinking outside of the constraints of just recreating the physical space, I think that's when we'll start moving on to, you know, the medium term potential here. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's a great segue, uh, Thomas, because we're, we're t- we've been mm. talking about the short term. So let's think a bit further out, let's say the next five years. And I, I read one report from a company that was convinced that, you know, we'll all be spending an hour a day on the metaverse by 2026. It seems sort of incredible that they could sort of make such a pro- projection. You know, will we all be wearing, you know, VR headsets or Facebook glasses in, in a few years? What do you think the metaverse looks like in the medium term? Well, I, I think the idea that um, within five years that everyone's going to be spending one hour a day in the metaverse, that, that's pretty much of a stretch. Um, unless you're thinking about some very early adopters spending the majority of their time, you're averaging that across, out across everybody. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm looking back at some of the consumer research we conducted, and um, I would say that the hype around it has led people to believe that it will become a reality. And 45% of our survey population said that they believe that people will eventually spend the majority of their time in the metaverse. Uh, so they see this as a, as a, a reality that's coming. But at the same time, speaking of reality, about two-thirds of people are concerned that people will lose touch with reality because they spent too much time in the metaverse. So at the concept stage, there's still this idea that it's going to be this amazing new world uh, that you know stim- simulates reality in a way that you can't really tell the difference. I, I think that's really, really far off um, because it is just conceptual tech. And when I think about that, I, I was thinking about this again, you know, about the early stages of tech. Um, and a different topic, kind of, but where are all of our holograms? I was thinking back to some of our sci-fi stuff in, in the 90s. I thought by the early 2000s, um, by now, we'd all be living in hologram worlds and we could interact with, you know, in our physical space with digital goods as a you know individual. But I, I don't think that it's going to become so immersive that you can't tell the difference between reality and uh, the metaverse. Um, but into the medium term, I would say that it's going to become an area for people to do more socializing. And I think that's going to be the largest draw uh, within the five-year time frame um, because we see just how much the internet and online socializing has developed over the past 10 to 15 years with social media. Um, we know that people are more comfortable interacting online uh, in many ways. Some young folks are even say that they prefer you know interacting online and social media than in real life interactions they're more comfortable so i do see that the need for a metaverse might 
address some of the issues that people have with just getting out in person, um, whether it's because of proximity or just comfort levels. And as far as what are the opportunities there, something I read interesting um, recently is about how, how people are meeting one another, uh, couples who get married. For years, it was you met through friends at, at school, um, at a bar, and more couples today who are married are meeting through online dating sites. So we think about that consumer trend. It's like, how are you meeting people? The, the initial interaction is online. Mm-hmm. Then you go out maybe for coffee or for lunch. What if the first actual meetup then is in the metaverse? And so it actually solves an issue that some people have with safety. So if I'm dating and I meet someone online, I think they see me, you know, someone I'd like to get along with, but now I have to go out in the physical real world. So I think that that could be a use case that metaverse offer, um, metaverse brands could explore. So what do you do on a first date? Well, oftentimes you go out to eat, so you probably can't do that so well, but there's usually an element of an activity or entertainment. Uh, so, that, you know, metaverse leisure opportunities, I think would be a big uh, possibility. Uh, and back to fashion, you want to make a good impression on your first date. So you might go to the Gucci Gardens, um, you know, uh, beauty store and, and buy something really fancy for your digital avatar to wear. Um, so I think that there's a lot of different ways that the metaverse can be useful within five years, but it'll still be kind of at the early stages. Uh, but I think the social aspect and entertainment will be the initial reasons that people will join. Yeah, so that, that could really lead the way, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think in terms of will we all be using, there's this idea that the Vestas will end up with everyone in virtual reality spaces. And my, I think it will take longer than, than that to develop in kind of in that way. Like in our research, you know, there's still, despite sales of, of headsets, it's still less than 10, I think it's 9% of people have a, have, a, have a VR headset in the UK and it has been around that level for quite a you know, few years. Um but I totally agree. I think what we'll start to see is more use cases coming up. I think it, that you know it is growing, and the way we access it is growing. And I think you'll see more use cases around um, metaverse start to develop. Um, online dating is a is a is a great one. Leisures, uh, esports, gaming, all these sorts of things are great examples of how this can start to emerge. Um, you can imagine certain aspects of retail developing this space. Um, you know, things like um, you can imagine Ikea, you know, you can go and plan your kitchen, but, you know, why do you have to go in? Why can't you just put your headset on and you could sit and build it around yourself and you could go and look at all the stuff? You know, you can start to create much more immersive experiences and I will start to see that developing, I think, with time. Um, and I, but the other point I think it's more to make is that the, the metaverse, we're kind of talking about as if it's going to just completely replace everything that came before it and that's the end of it. But what the reality with these things is that you'll see lots of things running concurrently, you know, just because um, online retailing um, has grown massively that doesn't mean that physical stores have completely disappeared um, they can work in harmony with each other. Um, and you'll see the same. I think what we'll see is metaverse experiences, which can stand alone and offer something different than the physical experiences. And they might have both. So like Fiona says, you might, you know, you might meet up on a, on a, on a sort of dating app where you pick who you, who you want. Um, and then you might have your first date in the metaverse, but then you want to move on to a physical date afterwards. And, you know, you can see how you know, the future as, as all these things is always much more hybrid than we we imagine we always look at it through the purest eyes mm. and say it's all going to be entirely digital but the reality is we'll, we'll be living a hybrid world and my view is that it's going to move towards being a much more fluid experience between those online and and physical worlds where you can flip between them much more easily um but we've got a long way to go in terms of the hardware to actually enable that to happen and that's the big question is just how long that the tech how long it takes the tech to catch up and not only the tech needs to catch up but it also has to become affordable for for the mass consumers to, yeah. to be able to access this metaverse. And I think sometimes we, we don't realize as well how exponentially technology will continue to improve. We've seen it happen in the past 10 years. Right? We, the things, the tools that we have at our disposal are completely different from what we had 10 years ago. And in, in five years' time, in the medium term, I... I mean, looking at it from the point that we already have early iterations of the metaverse today, in five years, I do believe you will have a, a semi-functioning uh, or a pretty good metaverse already, you know, something that maybe resembles the Sims, that, that, that popular game that some of you might play. And I do think that the, the biggest challenge that the metaverse has to overcome in the next five years is getting consumers on board. 
you know, I mentioned earlier that in Southeast Asia, there's awareness and interest, but the access to the hardware, you know, that might be the challenge to overcome before more people get onto the metaverse. And once consumers are on the metaverse, you know, that's when things will get really interesting. The, the early adopters in, I mean, in next year until the five years from now, they would probably create some really interesting communities. They would do their own thing. They would, they would demand for certain services that aren't yet made available. And we know how the market works. You know, if there's a consumer need, it will be created. And, and I, I keep thinking about um, what, what you mentioned, Thomas, in our earlier conversation about uh, McDonald's having a store in the metaverse. And like, what's the point, right? I, I mean, if, if you're completely connected to the metaverse, I think it would be pretty cool if you could order food from a virtual McDonald's and it arrive at your door in home. I think that would be wild, you know, rather than disconnecting yourself and having to, to you know, order it through an app or your phone or directly or go out. You're, you're, just, you're still in that immersive world and you're getting real goods to your home. I think that's an extremely likely future that's going to happen. And that's the thing, it's that, that hybrid, isn't it, between the, between the two where they start to, to merge together. For your example of a, a, a food service, we're there already. There's a KFC in Thailand that has its digital lifestyle store that opened, I think, this month. Uh, so it's kind of that hybrid between the digital uh, experience and then, of course, it's KFC. So you're going to want to eat. So that's a, that's a good point, Joey, of how they can bring those two together. Yeah, I think we really got to give consumers credit you know, for how quickly they've adopted digital technology in, in their lives over the past two years. Even older people, senior citizens in Southeast Asia are comfortably navigating their smartphones and using all the QR codes and delivery, um, grocery delivery options. So I do think you know, making it easy enough, making it accessible, making the hardware affordable, these are all things that you know, once consumers can do it, they will figure it out and it will be very interesting what else they start asking for uh, from the metaverse in five years. Um, expanding on it a little bit, you know, I think I just thought earlier today, it would be so cool. We don't have a Walmart in, Walmart in, in Malaysia, you know, but wouldn't it be cool for me to be able to you know, hop onto the metaverse, go shopping in metaverse America and get, get some stuff from Walmart that I can't get here and it'd be delivered to my house in a few days. Does everyone have to have a virtual reality headset to participate? It depends, right, on, on our definition of the metaverse. Like earlier, you mentioned at the start of this podcast that the metaverse that we're talking about is this 3D virtual world that sort of mimics reality, but, you know, perhaps it's a bit more exciting. Um, but early iterations of the metaverse today, you know, you see it mostly in play-to-earn games or games like Roblox, where... Some people might call it the metaverse, but I feel like these brands themselves, these gaming companies don't call themselves metaverse stories. But since people do call it a metaverse, you know, having that social interaction, having that um, ability to own things, I think these are some of the features we expect from the metaverse. Um, as it is now, you don't need a VR headset, but I do feel to get to that metaverse that we're, we have in our minds that we're thinking about, that 3D virtual world, we would, need, we would need some form of hardware to take us into it. It might not look like the virtual glasses of today. It might be something else, but we'll see. I think what you'll what you'll see is uh, you know to get to that end point, it probably is going to be a kind of virtuality space. But there's you know buying that hardware is a big barrier to entry yeah. for people um even at you know two three hundred pounds for a headset which you can't think you know how cheap is it going to get like you know it's an expensive bit of tech an expensive bit of kit i think what you're seeing is with a lot of the the applications at the moment they're introducing kind of more kind of device agnostic so you can access via different ways if you look at like uh, meta workrooms you'll see that you can access it via headset but you can also drop in with people on their phones on their laptops on their whatever and so there's lots of different ways because the important thing is to get people in the space and because also once they're accessing those spaces then you can see the benefits of those other people. Sure. Using it. And it's the same with things like smartphones and things like that. You know, those early adopters got them and, you know, everyone else was like, well, I don't need smartphones. I'm like, 
dumb phones done me well for years and then that gradually these apps and things start to merge you're like oh actually now i can see them doing that yeah i, I want a piece of that that justifies me shelling out three four five hundred pounds for a smartphone. But that, that hardware has to evolve doesn't it? there's no way you're going to get me sticking putting one of those vr headsets on for hours a day it um, has to be it has to be smaller but in terms of the price point you know the, the price of a, of a vr headset you know is, is cheaper than a lot of smartphones mm. um, and so actually it, it's not an impossible thing to ask of consumers to spend three, four, five hundred pounds. I mean, people spend a thousand pounds, thousand dollars for for an iPhone. Um, I always wonder why, but they do, and they do it because it, they they see the justification of doing it and accessing the world through that space. Did they need to do that ten years ago? No, they didn't. Um, mm. But you know, they've now seen those opportunities, and I think you'll see the same with VR headsets. The other final quick point I would make about that is that we always seem to have this underlying assumption that consumers don't like change, and most consumers think they don't like change. Um, but then actually when you justify the reasons to change and you look, you know, you only have to look back five years or 10 years and people are like, wow, I can't believe we lived like that. You know, people are incredibly adaptive when it offers some genuine benefits. And so I think, you know, it's not impossible to think people will make the, the jump if, yeah. if the, the technology is there and the, the use cases uh, can justify it. So, so let's go back to that question then about what brands should do. You know, so how should brands plan for the metaverse in the medium term if you think about this sort of five year horizon? I think in the medium term, about five years out, where brands really need to be thinking um, of what to do in the metaverse. Um, again, I think it is based on the category that brands are operating in. So it's going to vary based on what it is that you offer to consumers. Um, and so one that I think of top of mind is uh, just how consumers are evolving and um, their habits of buying things. And I think the direct-to-consumer uh, trend is very important for brands to keep an eye on. So if you're if you offer a product, uh, more and more consumers are going direct to the manufacturer. There's a lot of different examples of you know, DTC uh, purchasing. So for these brands in particular, I think having a, an idea of how to operate in the metaverse and allow consumers to interact with your products is going to be more important than uh, some other categories. So um, brands need to kind of follow consumers and see what it is they're up to, what they're interested in, and then evolve their offering to meet consumers where they are. I think in, in five years, you know, if you if you look at what's going on over the past five years, in five years' time, um, we'll see a whole ton of case studies, you know, of successes and failures in that have occurred in the early iterations of the metaverse. And I think in five years' time, Brands will have to be thinking about value. And it's a simple word, but what I mean by value is there will be competition in the metaverse already for whatever category or industry you're in in five years. Mm. So, you know, thinking about similar things to what we think of today in real life, what is your brand offering is slightly different? What is your what is what can your service do that tops the other competitors? You know, it would be, I guess, a lot more competitive. And so within the next five years, you know, brands who are planning to enter this metaverse space should already have a very clear idea of what they want to do and what's their position in the metaverse and what value do they bring to consumers. Um, just bringing it back a little bit to what we were talking about hardware earlier as well, maybe the, the cost of hardware won't decrease that much, but the value of this hardware is that brings you access to this whole new world of opportunities for consumers not just experiences, not they can only spend money, but if it offers them an opportunity to, to start a business, to earn money, to provide that unique service that nobody else is doing, then you know, they, they, have a, they have a stake in the game. That 300-pound headset suddenly becomes worth it to the average consumer. So yeah, there will be competition. There will be disruptors already thinking about their foray into the metaverse as well. So Medium term, it would be a good idea for brands to think, you know, how can they translate their brand value in quote unquote reality, the physical space we're living in now, in a digital way? And yeah, it would be really interesting to see what brands do. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with both of those. And I think, you know, we, we talked about how in the short term, the idea is it's really important for brands to think about what their brand could look like in in a digital space and and what it kind of would stand for and what it might reflect um, look i think over the over the medium term um you uh, Drew says you you you'll expect to see brands starting to experiment with what that might look like putting stuff out creating experiences and um, but i think what's really important is for brands to really think about 
where threats might come from um in this new space to their to their current offering and how they can adapt to that um f- for example I know we, we've talked a bit about kind of mcdonald's and actually you know if you're a food brand how can you you know do you have any place in the metaverse but i think it's a good example where it's really important to understand why consumers come to your brand um and i'm not an expert on mcdonald's and i work to food service but but you know mcdonald's could be are people coming because they love the food or are people coming because they like the experience or because it's a social where you can meet your friends and actually if you if you say it's kind of a social experience it's somewhere to catch up with people and meet up with people then actually if you start to have competing space in the digital world where food isn't something that people socialize over or it's less likely to be something socialized what does that look like for your brand is that a threat to your brand and how do you adapt to it or can a you know mcdonald's come how to leverage itself as a as a place for meeting people in a digital world even if it's not necessarily about the food directly uh, maybe that's not the best example but you see what i mean about about being aware of threats that might kind of come from from left field slightly um in this new world um you know everyone always pulls out the kind of blockbuster netflix approach where you know it was suddenly taken down by business which was kind of came in from a digital space um and i think it's just going to be really important over the years to just kind of have your kind of ears to the ground and understanding where those threats may may come from if they're not from direct or traditional disruptors because i think you're going to start to see new businesses emerge which are kind of native to these kind of spaces um and uh, and, and yeah it's just something to really keep an eye on mm. so in the short term maybe we're in a sort of a exploratory sort of test and learn phase and what i'm hearing is that you know perhaps in five years this sort of ecosystem around the metaverse will have exploded and the landscape will just look very different yeah i think you'll, you'll find that the hype cycle will have maybe petered off a little bit and you'll start to get the more kind of, um, I can't remember if you call it the next stage, where you get the trough of disillusionment or whatever it's called. And then um, I think you might start to find that bit where you start to get practical uses. So people have kind of forgotten the hype and the disillusionment. And now actually we're getting to a stage where you're getting genuine use cases from businesses. Um, and, and more people have got the tech, mm. it's starting to quietly reach more of a, of a of, I don't think it'll be a critical mass in five years, but it will probably be, you know, some people would say it would, but you be getting in that direction where you're starting to find there are genuinely useful and appealing things to do in this space and there's plenty of early adopters using it probably on a regular basis Um, and you're probably pushing towards this new way of accessing the internet this new sort of digital world whatever that may look like in five years time uh, is starting to become more established and, and and that's the point of where you know the brands in the physical world and online really need to be really conscious um of, of where these kind of new new threats new disrupting businesses may start to to emerge because it can be difficult to spot them and it's about really understanding your consumers you're understanding your your customers and, and why they come to your brand what what appeal your brand holds to them and where and therefore how that might translate itself in in the digital space that would be that would be my view so we spoke about Facebook uh, Meta today. So Mark Zuckerberg has said that he believes the metaverse will be the successor to the mobile internet. I've also heard him speak in the past about the future of communication being all about e-telepathy. So let's, um, we've spoken about the short term, the medium term. Let's do some future gazing ourselves and consider the metaverse beyond five years into the sort of 10, 15 years and beyond, uh, even further out. Where do you each believe this is all heading? I love looking far into the future and imagining what the metaverse could look like. I, you know, I think consumers who, regular consumers who do think about the metaverse already have an idea in their minds of what they think the metaverse, the actual metaverse will look like in when it, when it fully actualizes. And, and yeah, I think it would be a really interesting place. It would be a place where we might have familiar rules, you know, like gravity, but then we also have the option to turn it off and, you know, and float around as well. And it just, it just becomes a whole platform of possibilities. I believe that's where it's heading to. And, you know, I, another reason why I do think the metaverse is, is so important to think about, it's because of all the future-centric um, human endeavors that we can think of, like space travel, Mm. Um, and the metaverse and, and whatever else you can think of, floating devices that allow you to teleport through from country to country. Um, out of all of these visions of the future, 
the metaverse seems like the most possible you know, for the average consumer. Not everybody, obviously, even when space travel is you know, a, a regular thing, not everybody's going to be able to afford it. We see how huge the prices are today. But that's, that's a future that everybody's looking forward to, you know, and everybody imagines. And I think the metaverse is a very possible future. And because of this consumer desire, I do believe that you know, tech brands are working extremely hard and they will make it happen. So um, how do I see the metaverse in the long term? Um, a lot of people talk about decentralized metaverse, right? Where people get to do, you know, whatever they want. There's nobody is owning the metaverse. I don't exactly believe that's going to be true. I believe many brands like, like Meta and many other smaller metaverse brands, you know, they are all creating their own metaverse. But we will eventually reach a point of, uh, how do I say this? An integrated metaverse where you can move from one place to another. And I like to think of them as different countries or states, depending on their size. You know, uh, a metaverse that operates in Southeast Asia might look extremely different from the metaverse of New York or London. And consumers will have the ability to travel from one space or metaverse to another, like how we do in different countries right now. And yeah, I think, you know, this freedom and this ability to, to live a second life, pardon the pun, uh, it's a second opportunity for consumers to you know, especially those who may find trouble expressing themselves where they are or doing exactly what they want and being exactly what they want to be. I think all these little, I think they're all considered human, um, the need for actualization. I think that is what the metaverse will provide in the long term. It will give consumers the chance to be and do whatever they want. Yeah, I think I, I said Joe is much more optimistic than than I am about about this. Um, I think the fu- the long term future. I, I agree. I think we're moving to. I would say at the moment that we're, I would argue, we're kind of a peak screen. Um, I think you know in terms of the way we access internet through through smartphones, things like that, and we're going to move away to being. Um, Moved to a whole new way of accessing the internet. I think that's what we're really talking about here. And there's the night, you know, there, there's individual use cases, as Joe talks about at the moment. We're, we're moving, you know, there, there's ideas where there's individual VR and uh, virtual reality immersive experiences for this and for that. That I think the, the reality is for when the metaverse becomes successful, in my mind, the whole point of the metaverse is that it would be an integrated digital space. So until all these worlds become somehow meshed together um whether that be a single metaverse like Joe, i think it's much more realistic that there will be multiple metaverses but they'll be in some way of they'll be interlinked and you'll be able to move between them um i wonder if they would be less um kind of geographically based than than as Joe points out more based around perhaps um shared identities or shared views you know you can imagine having gaming ones or, or things like that and, and you can move between these spaces and um and do that. I, I also think it would be merged much more with the real world. So, like I say, rather than carrying around pulling your, your, your phone out of your pocket and accessing the internet by that, I think you know whether it be through um, through glasses or some other way of being able to just um, kind of access it on the go and, and enhancing the kind of real world through augmented reality and getting into these um, the, the, these kind of metaverse spaces. Um, although I would also say one thing we haven't talked about hugely. Um, is then how that space is policed and how that space is controlled. There's also, it's been a lot of talk at the moment about social media and there's this kind of idea that if you give people completely free reign to do whatever they want, then somehow we'll end up in this utopia and everyone do great things. Um, and that's never been the case in human history. And I think um, social media proves that that's incredibly difficult to do. And so it does raise a lot of questions for society that if we are going to live in and have these digital spaces, actually what does, you know, do we need separate, you know, rules of law, police forces, who governs these spaces, who sets these rules? Is it right that people like Meta end up being the ones who dictate the the laws and rules of these spaces and enforce them? Or should there be a global government in the metaverse to do this? Or, you know, it poses so many big societal questions. And I think, you know, the hardware and the software is one challenge. Um, I think that's a whole nother challenge, which, you know, globally as society, which is something we're generally not very good at doing, um, we're going to have to kind of have these discussions a lot and decide what that looks like, because otherwise there's a risk that, um, you know, it becomes a, a, an online state of nature um, where where there's no rules or anything else. So I, I think you will start to see that emerge and how we kind of police that online space. But that is the, the other angle of the metaverse, which has yet to be addressed. And that, again, going back to what it means for brands over the long term, you know, 
we talk already about brands and, and the sort of risks and dangers of, on social media um, and being associated with things that you don't want to be associated with. And of course, that's still going to be an issue um, in the metaverse as it as it develops. And so it's just another thing to kind of be aware of. Just to put a more, sorry, I'm being deliberately pessimistic again, against Joe's optimism there, but. Well, no, it's, it, I think it's, you bring up a good point about the government. And I was very intrigued when Joey mentioned the space travel, the comparison. And if you think about the potential, you know, obviously the governments have invested in space travel, right? And how to progress that. And like, you know, potentially is the metaverse one of those things where you could see um, governments getting involved in sort of a, a space race type um, race to develop the metaverse. They're interesting thoughts. And I think um, slightly off topic, but you're already seeing that with cryptocurrencies, right? right. So, you, you know, you obviously saw things like Bitcoin where it was totally, you know, from the ground up evolved and, you know, moving into my political hat on, but it, it reaches a point whereby, you know, the, the governments are going to start to step in and say, actually, this is stepping on our territory here. And so you already see them start to launch their own digital currencies. Um in a, in a kind of attempt to combat that, and, you know, and then it raises the question of, you know, will we see, um, you know, a, an American metaverse versus a Chinese metaverse versus a Russian metaverse? You know, what what does that kind of look like if they start to step in and does that change the face of it and, and, and how it works? You know, these are big mm. long-term questions, which... Um, uh, uh, probably be on the scope of this podcast, but, but would be interesting to. <laughs> I think sociologists are going to have a field day over the next ten years as we as they figure out, you know, how societies form. And I do think, you know, there is a role for them in the development of the metaverse as well to help. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Thomas, you know, we're essentially with the creation of the metaverse, we are creating a whole new. Or, I mean, the tech companies are creating a utopia for consumers to do whatever they want. And how do we guide consumers to make good decisions in the metaverse? It's and 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 governing the metaverse. You know, these are big topics and you know, we could use all the expert help we can get to to create the best possible version of the metaverse. Well, yeah, was on the one hand, you say liberating, but on the other hand, liberating could mean escapism. And then, of course, what are you escaping from? I think those are all really fascinating points. I hadn't really considered the governing side of things. I was thinking more along, you know, what is the technology going to look like and what are the possibilities that consumers could um, could interact with? And I was thinking about the idea of, you know, the merging of the different metaverses, uh, but I was also thinking about merging it with the, the real life. So areas of technology that we've just seen explode over the last you know, 10 years it's like smart home connected devices. And so I think like within a metaverse, the, the, the best version of it would be where you can interact across different areas of the metaverse, but also interact and control things that you, um, in the physical, in the real world. And so I feel like if the technology can support that kind of seamless transition across, that would be the best use case for consumers to get on board the metaverse. Um like I, I have smart lights in my home and I can turn those on through my app on my phone when I'm, you know, in a completely different state. And I think that's fantastic, but I'm still doing it through my, my smartphone. What I'd love to see is not just the integration about the, you know, control, but even the technology hardware. So I know Thomas, when you're talking about the, you know, the cost of VR headsets, my mind immediately went to, but yes, they, when the iPhone was first introduced, that was, you know, nearly 600 US dollars. That was hugely expensive. And we were, in the midst of a recession, um, but because of the value that it offered, the sales just took off so quickly because it was this brand new piece of technology. So I feel like we will get to a metaverse uh, state that consumers would want to interact in, and it could be useful, but we need the hardware to catch up with our ideas of what it is we want to do. So I envision in 15 years that we won't have a little screen in our hands on our smartphone, that we would have maybe just a, a simple headset that we can flip down and view through a visor. Um, we won't need to type things into a keyboard. You know, I, I don't know that it, I agree with Mark Zuckerberg that we're going to have this uh, telepathy kind of <laughs> situation because I'm, I'm not really willing to put an implant in myself to uh, get to that point. But I think that um, AI machine learning is going to help us to um, to better control what it is we want to do in the metaverse through either voice commands or even physical movements. Um, we have facial recognition software now that can detect emotions. Uh, there's a lot of you know wellness tech that is uh, available for you to see. Are you happy? Are you sad? Is your, where's your heart rate going? So I feel like the metaverse isn't just 
what you see and what you control, but it's also evaluating you as a person. So I, I see even the, from the wellness side of things that, you know, rather than having a, an app for, you know, calming myself down for stress or trying to evaluate my heart rate, um, my sleep cycles, that it would all be integrated. And so that's where I think in 15 years, the best case scenario for metaverse would be, was be full integration where you're able to monitor yourself interact in a virtual environment and also control things in the physical world. Uh, but that could be, I might, I might still be at the peak of inflated expectations on that. So we'll see. <laughs> I just wanted to say to um, a point of Fiona mentioned earlier about the hardware that we'll be using for the metaverse and in mixed reality in our day to day. Computer embedded contact events is already you know, in the works and talked about. So I do think that future is sooner than we'll expect. We'll be able to, to live in that mixed reality quite soon, you know, through the augmented reality tech that already exists, paired with these new hardwares, it'll be a lot more comfortable and unnoticeable for, for, for human beings to interact digitally and physically at the same time. I like the sound of that. Contact lenses, not the big virtual rea- reality headsets. I agree. So, so what should brands do about that long-term vision? Can they do anything? That is a tough question uh, because it's such a concept. Um, I don't know that brands can really do anything right now other than monitor what's happening and see where they might be able to, to Joey's point, to add value in that kind of area. I think one thing brands do need to keep an eye on, though, especially is how are they going to manage all the consumer data that's coming their way? So this is something I was thinking about earlier as far as like, you know, long-term, what are some positives? What, what can brands expect? Um, and so, you know, we're market researchers. We're, we want to help our clients understand consumers so that they can build their businesses. But where we are right now is we are at data overload. Um, there's so much information coming in from, you know, where web, website scraping, um, consumer survey research, behaviors, uh, cameras, monitoring, you know, public spaces. There is data coming in from all over, but brands have not figured out yet the best way to use this data to either create products, understand consumer needs. Uh, so in the long term, I, I think that beyond just the technology to collect all this information and allow consumers to control it, we need a better way to evaluate what people are doing and translate all that data into meaningful, you know, insights for brands. So you're asking what should brands be doing in the long-term future? Um, We need to figure out ways to harness the data that we're going to be getting and use that then to create products, understand what consumer needs are Uh, because it's coming from so many different disparate areas. Um, So you'll need smart people. This is what brands need to do. (laughs) Need smart people working for you who can understand how to use all this information to tell you what you need to do in this futuristic metaverse. Good point. All right. So I know we could clearly talk about this for hours. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, but I, I'm going to ask you one final question. Um, what are the brands to watch for, or can you name one brand specifically to watch, to watch when it comes to the metaverse? And I'm thinking, you know, right now. For me, I was going to say, I, th- I think at the moment, at the stage we're at, it's about whether this can tip over into becoming more wider consumer focused. I think the big question, the, the, one of the big brands to watch is whether Apple is going to launch um, any kind of VR headset or, or, or kind of glasses or anything like that. Um, it's been rumored for a while, but I think it's the kind of kind of company where if it did do that, then it would immediately shift virtual reality from being a relatively kind of, you know, what Apple is great at is moving stuff from being a a niche kind of product to being much more mainstream. And, you know, Apple didn't invent the smartphone, but the iPhone just made it go mainstream. And you can see many examples of that where they're just so good at making stuff that is just consumer friendly, that works really well, is easy to use, is understandable, and that it's, um, it's kind of, cool and socially acceptable you know um there aren't many brands that could have got people to wear the 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 apple earbuds which i still think looks silly but that somehow apple got everyone to wear them and i remember when they were launched and everyone was like no one's going to walk around them they look silly and they still look silly but somehow apple has made it work and people people wear them all the time um and you know and that's why i think that's a really interesting one to look at to see because that's Mm -hmm. the kind of company where if apple starts moving into this space then you really know you know, there's there's something here in terms of the virtuality and, and the space, and um, because also they wouldn't be doing it necessarily in the the gaming worlds, they would take it to the next level. So I think for me, that's a 
really interesting one to watch. Um, I'll go next. I, I am really excited to see uh, what Disney comes up with. Oh. Um, so kind of as you know, leader in different fields, you've got Apple, of course, for tech, but I think from the immersive entertainment and imagination, I am just, I can't wait to see what they do. So I've been watching, uh, you know, are, are, what moves are they making? And they have, they've appointed a new uh, executive in charge of their kind of metaverse development. They've put a lot of money toward it. Um, and do they, but what they have is they've got the intellectual property that will draw consumers in. Um, and they have the deep pockets to be able to fund these development. And um, they just have expertise in tech and consumer insights. And they just have such a great look, attention to detail, which I think sometimes with these early stage developments of tech, you kind of miss that human element. So I think they'll bring that forward. And so I'm just, I'm waiting to see what they come up with. So I'm excited about Disney. I find it quite hard to pin down that one brand I think you should really be looking out for. But I think in general, we should be looking at brands with an, a large existing user base. Um, game, popular games are uh, an obvious example that they have a very easy entry into the metaverse because of the huge um, the volumes of players they have all day, every day from around the world already. You know, and they have huge side cultures to like, you know, cosplay or, or fan fan fiction and, and fan artists. So the community is really strong and a strong community is what I think we should be looking out for because having that already makes it much easier for a brand to create or enter the metaverse. And apart from, from that, I strongly believe that we should also be observing what e-commerce giants do. The Amazons, the Alibabas and Shopee's of the world. You know, they have a huge infrastructure laid out already for, for global connectivity so to speak and and yeah i think these brands would definitely find a way to make use of the metaverse uh, providing that you know, digital experience um, a fully digital physical yeah digital experience it's a bit confusing it's all conceptual isn't it but yeah i think e-commerce brands are a big one that we should be looking out for because they are already so tech-led and tech-enabled that the transition would be relatively easy, especially with the large user base that we already have. All right. Well, this has been a, a truly fascinating conversation. Uh, brands to watch out for, Apple, Disney, and brands like Alibaba. Uh, thank you, Thomas, Fiona, and Joey. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. If you want to know more about Mintel, who we are, and what we do, head over to mintel.com. And follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts. Bye for now. Bye.